wonderful to be back here. I enjoy visiting, and um, I was just thinking as Brother Simon was introducing, I was probably about Abby's age the first time he met me. So <laughs> when he says we go way back, we go way back. <laughs> so, um, uh, but thank you so much for the honor of preaching here this morning. I, um, I don't take it lightly. It is an honor to be able to bring God's word. And, um, and I just, I want to do it justice. Not that we can, <laughs> but because he's such a big and such an amazing God. But I'm thankful that he uses us. And that's mind-blowing if you think about it, that he would use us, that he loves us. But he's an amazing God, and it's just another reason that he's amazing, that he chooses to use us. So if you can pop that first slide up. Thank you, Daniel. Can't read that there. It doesn't work very well. But the message is called From Paralysis to Praise. Forty long years, every day, week, year, passed like the one before. Some days he was very successful and he made himself enough money to feed himself for a week. Other days he made next to nothing and his grumbling stomach couldn't be quieted. On really, really good days, people stopped and chatted, dropped a few coins into his beggar's cup. On average days, he was mostly ignored. On really bad days, he was accidentally kicked and spat on. He wasn't exactly sure why he'd been cursed with legs that didn't work, but he had mostly come to terms with it. This had been going on for over 40 years. This, such as it was, was his life. But what he didn't know was that his life was about to change forever as a result of just one encounter with someone who knew Jesus. Amen. So we're going to go through this story here. If you would like to turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 3, we're going to start at verse 1. (laughs) Acts chapter 3, thank you. (laughs) All right. And it says, Now Peter and John went up together into the temple at the hour of prayer, being the ninth hour. Now, devout Jews gathered at the temple three times a day for prayer. How would you like to be here in church three times a day? (laughs) Some people think it's cool. Some people are like, "Mm, not so much. (laughs) But these were very devout Jews, and that's what they did. They went to the temple three times a day for morning, afternoon, and evening prayers. So at 9 in the morning and at noon, and then at 3 p.m., they'd be back there at church. When Peter and John came to the temple this day, they were actually attending at the time of the evening offering. So it would have been about 3 o'clock towards the end of the day. All right, then going on to verse 2, it says, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them which entered into the temple. Now, this guy was lame from his mother's womb. He had never walked a day in his life, didn't know how. It wasn't possible for him to do that. He had a birth defect, this guy. He couldn't even remember a time when he didn't have this physical handicap. Not a time at all. I don't know. I guess he probably couldn't even crawl, couldn't reach those milestones that parents hope their children will reach. He was lame. And he was over 40 years old. Could you imagine being lame your entire life? Thank God I'm not. (laughs) I'm so grateful. 
Um, and it, but it was even worse in Bible times because in Bible times, disability was often seen as a consequence of sin. So not only did you have this problem within yourself that you couldn't do what everyone else did, you were judged for it. People thought you'd done something wrong or maybe your parents had done something wrong. That was a real stigma and, and a shame to live with. And so it's either they thought it was either the person's own sin or the sin of their parents. So because of that idea, people with disabilities were often excluded from society. Very, very lonely life. Not allowed to be in society. But I love this. While that was the prevailing view among the Jews, Jesus clearly showed that disability wasn't linked to sin. He's like, I'm going to bust this myth right open. This is not it. <laughs> In John 9, 1 and 3, there was the disciples and they saw a blind man. So they asked him, they're like, Jesus, who sinned? Did this guy do it? Did his parents do it? I don't know if they wanted to just judge them or what, but who sinned? And Jesus answered and said, neither has this man sinned nor his parents, but that the work of God may be manifest in him. What? So this was actually brought on by God so that God could get glory? That doesn't make sense to us, does it? But this is often how God works. Jesus doesn't see disability as something to be looked down upon, but it's an opportunity for the glory of God to be displayed. I'm grateful for that because we're all flawed and broken, <laughs> but it's an opportunity that God can be seen in us. So this man was carried to the temple every day. I guess he probably saw a lot of kneecaps. I mean, <laughs> they would have had long robes. But, you know, he, he didn't see much. He was sitting there outside the temple. And I wonder why there. We're not really told. I just wonder, maybe people were more willing to give. Maybe they're on their way to the temple. They're thinking about God. They're thinking, oh, maybe I should do good works. I don't know. Maybe he just desperately wanted to enter the temple to worship like everybody else. Because... It's highly likely because he was disabled, he wouldn't have been allowed to enter into the temple. It was against the law. The law said, you can't come into the temple if you have a disability. And so, it, because they were, they were trying to safeguard the holiness of the temple, because in their, you know, in their conception, sin and disability were linked. So, they weren't holy, so they couldn't enter the temple. And people with disabilities were separated and placed apart because they were seen as impure and so forbidden to enter. Now you have to understand a little bit about the society that Jesus lived in. So in the Greco-Roman culture, it was largely based on the concepts of honor and shame. So that was like the currency of the world. Like we use money, they used honor and shame. So if, if you were honored, that was great. You had a great place in society and it was nothing to do with how much money you had. It was how you were perceived. And if you had shame, then you were just one of the lowest of the low. People didn't want to really associate with you. So to not be able to provide for your family was a great shame. Here's this man. He would have had a low status in society. And in Jewish religion, giving alms was seen as an act of mercy. And that would have brought honor to the giver, the one who had enough to give to someone else. It would have brought honor to them. It would have made them seem prosperous, that they had enough money to give away. So in this society, the only people allowed to beg were those who could not work. Unlike here, where anybody can <laughs> go and beg if they want. Um, but here, that was the only way. There was no social security. It's the only way they could get enough to live on. So going down to verse 3. 
This man, who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for an arm. I wonder how many times Peter and John had passed this lame man before. They went to the temple three times a day. The guy was there every day. <laughs> he was there. I'm sure they'd seen him. They had possibly even known him for years. Maybe they walked along and said, hey, Samuel, good to see you. I don't know what his name was. Maybe they knew him by name. They passed there every day. You know, and they'd probably even given him a few coins on more than one occasion. So I imagine this is just a normal everyday event. And because it's written in the Bible, sometimes we think this was this big momentous occasion and this happened. They were just doing what they did every day, just going to the temple. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if this is what they'd expected when they woke up, that God would use them. So uh, I'm not really a maths brain, but every now and then I like to try to test myself. So um, if he had been taken to beg at the temple steps every day of his life, now, every day is unlikely because little babies are not really <laughs> left at the temple steps to beg. But if he'd gone there every day of his life, this would have been the 14,600th time that he'd been sitting there. If he'd started begging when he was 10, which is possible, over 10,000 times sitting <laughs> in the same spot, begging. That's a long, a long time. And that was his life. That's what it consisted of, sitting and begging for money. That's it. No dignity. No other means of supporting himself. No other means of supporting his family. That's assuming he even had a family. We don't know. He was very low. He may not have been married. He may not have had the ability to do that. Just sitting there. Just by himself. No weekends off. <laughs> Didn't get weekends off his job. Just sitting there on the dusty temple steps, watching the other Jews walk past him and going into a place that he was excluded from. He could never, ever go there. That's got to be hard. <laughs> Especially in, in that day when the temple, that was the focal point of the Jewish religion. That's where they went. And he couldn't. He wasn't allowed. In verse 4, And Peter, fastening his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive something of them. Fair enough. The Bible doesn't tell us what he was expecting to receive. But I'm pretty sure all he was envisaging was just a few coins dropped into his cup. Maybe enough to allow him to eat that night. Verse 6, then Peter said, and everyone probably knows this, they, if you still sing it in Sunday school, we sang the song in Sunday school. <laughs> Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Now, to understand a little bit, it's likely when they said, in the name of Jesus Christ, that it actually means acting as his representative, I say to you. I'm acting on behalf of Jesus, and I'm telling you to do this. Or it may even have been, Jesus cures you in the name of Jesus. This is it. This is the power. The disciples were very, very careful to credit Jesus exclusively with the glory for this miracle, <laughs> with this healing. Now, in the early first century Greco-Roman world, people... Um, Many people were suspicious of people who practiced religion because a lot of them did it just to acquire wealth for themselves. And so Peter and John didn't have any money. 
So this was helping to confirm their sincerity. Hey, we're not trying to do this to be a showman and try to get money. We've got no money. <laughs> but what we have, we're happy to share with you. Also back in that day, the mention of silver and gold may have symbolically referred to idolatry because many of the images associated with idol worship were traditionally made out of those materials, silver and gold. So if that was the case, then Peter's very words was testament to the fact he wasn't associated with idols. He didn't associate with false idols, but he worshipped the one true living God. And it was Jesus, not some carved image, that would bring healing and salvation to this lame man. Now I started thinking about it, and I wonder, I wonder if that lame man was uh, confused or disappointed by Peter's statement at first. You know, <laughs> if it was me, I might have been sitting there, look, dude, if you're not going to give me money, just get lost, like you're wasting my time. <laughs> Move out of the way so someone can drop some coins in my cup, you know. Um, maybe he thought that, I don't know. Maybe Peter said, hey, I don't have any money. He's like, oh, he's going to pull out like half a loaf of bread from his pocket. <laughs> Few fish to gnaw on. Maybe he'll give me food if he hasn't got money. Who knows? But, okay, this is weird because then Peter mentions Jesus of Nazareth. What? Wasn't this the guy who'd just recently been executed by Romans on a cross outside the city? Why was Peter talking about the name of this dead man? That's weird. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus was often in the temple. So I think it's, it's highly likely that the lame man had seen him before. <laughs> and no doubt he'd heard much about this prophet who went around Jerusalem and Galilee, healing all manner of diseases. We don't know. Maybe the man who was healed by the sheep gate or maybe the man with the palsy were friends of his. We don't know. Maybe they hung around together. Maybe he too wished that Jesus would pass by and notice him. Or maybe he'd been in his hopeless state for so long that he didn't think life could ever be different. He'd accepted the fact he was handicapped, didn't even bother to ask for healing. Just the way things were. That's it. The text doesn't tell us. We don't know. We can only guess. But what it does tell us is what happened immediately after Peter mentioned the name of Jesus. And in verse 7, it says, and he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. And he leaping up stood and walked and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. Okay, this is definitely a miracle because this guy's never walked before. Babies don't just get up and start walking and jumping, <laughs> do they? They take a long period of time. They have to crawl around for a bit first. Well, they have to roll, learn how to roll themselves over first. They didn't just get up and walk and leap. This guy had never walked. And here he is. <laughs> Amazing. So we want to know, how was the lame man healed? If we go further on in the chapter into Acts 3 and 16, Peter explains how the miracle happened. He says this, And his name through faith in his name has made this man strong, whom you see and know. You know this is the guy that's been sitting here. <laughs> You've seen him every day, three times a day. Here he is. The faith which is by him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It was by Jesus' name, through faith in his name. So it only took two elements, Jesus, 
and faith. That's it. His name, through faith in his name, took Jesus and faith. That's all it took to attain a miracle. So Peter was following the prompting of the Spirit to speak a word of faith. And he held the lame man's hand and he lifted him up. But if you have a look at that verse, it says, verse 7 shows Peter initiating the action. He says, he took him by the hand and lifted him up. But what's happened by verse 8? It says, the lame man leaped up and stood. Okay? So the lame man wasn't just passive anymore. He wasn't just looking at the disciples expecting something. He was active. He leapt up. He stood. It wasn't just him going, someone else do this for me. It was like, hey, I can do this. I have the ability. I can, I can reach out in faith also. I can respond to this moment. And that man was ready to be set free. Otherwise, he would just have let him lift him up and fall him back down. <laughs> no, he was ready to be free. And I'm sure when he woke up that morning that he never even imagined that his life would be forever changed. What? <laughs> 10,000 times sitting at the temple, seeing the same people walk by. This problem that had held him back for so long would be gone for good in a millisecond of time. Amazing. This is the God we serve. And then in verse 9 it says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Whoa, could you imagine <laughs> this guy? All the people saw him. And they knew that it was he which sat for arms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Now, there's a passage back in Isaiah 35, uh, verses 3 to 6. And it's, you can't see it, but it's on the screen. So, <laughs> um, it says, Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. Even God with a recompense, he will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened. And the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap as a heart or a deer. And the tongue of the dumb, dumb sorry, try that again. The tongue of the dumb sing, for in the wilderness shall waters break out and streams in the desert. They would have remembered this passage in the Old Testament. What? God is gonna come and save us? And the lame will leap? Ha. Huh. So this is really cool because the passage talks about God coming and saving who are weak, feeble, and, and fearful. But here in Acts, what is it? It's the name of Jesus that brought healing and salvation. So it was linking the God of the Old Testament with Jesus, this man who had just been crucified on a cross <laughs> but had risen again. That was the power. Now, I want you to think about it. The lame man didn't just receive a physical healing that day. He received a couple of other healings. He received a social healing and a spiritual healing. So this man, for, who for all of his life had to be carried everywhere at the mercy of others, he now became able to make his own choices and go where he wanted, including into the temple. What's the first thing he did? He didn't go home to tell his mom and dad. <laughs> no, he went straight into the temple, that place that he could never go before. He was no longer excluded 
from the presence of God or from the presence of God's people. What an amazing day that was for him. (laughs) I'm not surprised in verse 11. And as the lame man man which was healed held Peter and John, he's probably like, don't go away just in case this leaves, like stay here. He held them. All the people ran together unto them in the porch that is called Solomon's, greatly wondering. And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Why do you look so earnestly on us as though by our own power or holiness we made this man to walk? (laughs) Peter began to preach Jesus to the people and he was confirming to them it wasn't him, it wasn't John who healed the lame man, it was Jesus, God come in the flesh. And and then he condemns the listening Jews for killing Jesus. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) But he said, you guys did it in ignorance. But what does he do? He offers them a chance to repent, to be converted, to make it right. By believing all that Moses and the prophets said about the one who was to come. Now, while Peter was still preaching to that crowd in the temple, the religious leaders and priests became very very angry. The Bible says they were grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. So this wonderful, amazing miracle has just happened and then the religious leaders come and they took Peter and John forcibly to the local prison. Okay, seeing as it was now late in the day, they kept them overnight because in Jewish culture, night trials were illegal. They weren't allowed to hold them and almost all regular business stopped by sundown. So here they are. They've just witnessed this amazing miracle. (laughs) And and I believe this is the first miracle that happened after the day of Pentecost, the first recorded miracle. So this is like, wow, God's spirit is in us. We're seeing amazing, miraculous things. And suddenly we're in prison. What? (laughs) Like, this wasn't supposed to happen. Everybody's amazed. Everybody's, no, okay, we're in prison. So what began as such an amazing day seemed to very quickly turn sour. <laughs> well, what did it? Hmm. I love this. Acts 4 and 4, if you'll turn with me there. Acts 4 and 4, it says, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. Okay, so that's pretty amazing, right? Because of the healing of one insignificant beggar, and there would have been many at the temple, at least 5,000 people believed on God. Now, this this is the cool part. So we don't know exactly how many people lived in Jerusalem at that time. Estimates range anywhere between 20,000 and 80,000 people. Um, But however, it was during Passover or just after, and numbers would swell up to six times that many over Passover and over important feasts. So let's, let's say that about 40,000 people lived there year-round and about 250,000 gathered during the feast. That's a significant increase to the city <laughs> over those times. Okay, so the number that were converted that day, the 5,000, was the equivalent of one-fiftieth of the population during the feasts um, or one-eighth of the normal population. So the population of Perth. Let's, let's work out how this works. So Perth has a population, I believe, last year of around 2.1 million. So if we go by one-eighth of the normal population, that one miracle 
would have turned over 262,000 people into believers. <laughs> what? Isn't that amazing? One miracle, one insignificant person, but clearly very significant in God's view of things. Now, you go into the following chapter and it goes into great detail um, about Peter and John's trial. And the lame man actually attended that. He went along to their trial. Uh, if you turn with me to Acts 4, 21 and 22, it says this. So when they, that is the religious leaders, had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old, on whom this miracle of healing was showed. And it was because of that man's presence as he stood there whole, as he stood there. <laughs> That's a miracle in itself. He stood there, and the religious leaders could not deny that a miracle had occurred. They couldn't deny that. So they let Peter and John go. That's the only option they had. <laughs> And I like it because the story ends with the disciples praying together and they were filled with the Holy Ghost and they spoke the word of God with boldness. What an amazing thing. I really do like that story. And it's great. We like the story. We can see how God used the apostles to perform signs and wonders, particularly in the life of this one lame man. But my question today is why? Why have we read this account? It's a great story, but what's the purpose? How can we apply this to our lives right now? This is the important part. <laughs> we want to know, does Jesus still work today? Can this happen in my life? So if you'll just turn on to the last slide, thank you. The beggar mentioned in Act 3 had a birth defect. It kept him from entering the temple and from entering God's presence. And you know what? Every single one of us was born with a spiritual birth defect. <laughs> it's called sin. <laughs> we all have it. We all have it. So because God is holy and we are sinful, we were unable to enter God's presence. There was no way we could ever get into there. And just like this man couldn't walk unaided, he had to be carried every day by his family, by his friends, to the temple, sit there and beg. Likewise, we can't walk in God's ways unless we are set free from sin and bondage. It's something we couldn't do ourselves. It required someone, someone telling us about Jesus and about the power in his name. Jesus, who was God manifest in the flesh, came to this earth for one reason and one reason only. And it wasn't to seek his own fame or fortune. It wasn't to build up his own kingdom. It wasn't so that he could live a good and godly and moral life to show us how depraved and how wicked we were and how little we deserve God's grace. <laughs> Thank God that's not the reason why. No, he came to set us free from our sin and from our shame. <laughs> and I'm saying the honor-shame culture, Jesus submitted himself to the death of a common criminal. How much shame does that accrue? <laughs> he was completely shamed. And yet because of that, God has honored him given him a name that is above every other name. He is the one that is lifted high. What an amazing God. I love this. He submitted himself to the death of a common criminal. He went through unimaginable pain. Why? So he could save us 
from sin <laughs> so he could have a relationship with us. He didn't come to harm us. He came to heal us. That's the God that I serve. Oh, hallelujah. So I don't know why you're here this morning. Maybe someone brought you. What I do know is this wasn't an accident. I know that God has planned this meeting so that you can receive something from him. I know that. And maybe you've been here to this place. Maybe this is the 10,000th time you've sat here in these seats and felt, I've got nothing. This is, I come here every day, every week. Here I sit. I seem to have nothing. <laughs> but still, I come. Faithfully, I come. We're all beggars, <laughs> aren't we? <laughs> Before we found Jesus. You know, that lame man did the same thing every day. He didn't know any other way to live. He just sat at the gate of the temple and he begged over and over and over and over again. Day in, day out, seeing the same people, hearing the same conversations, watching the same few put money into his begging cup. The temple was off limits to him. Because of his disfigurement, he wasn't allowed to enter. And he probably didn't think his life would or could ever change. And in so many ways, we're just like that lame man. <laughs> Every one of us, before we knew God, were beggars. And even if we didn't realize it, our spirits were begging. We were wanting to belong. But we felt like no matter what we did, we would never measure up to other people's expectations. And even though we'd never experienced it, our souls were longing to be allowed inside. We were yearning to experience the presence and the acceptance of God. Who can testify to that feeling? <laughs> Every one of us here, we wanted to be accepted and loved. And that tongue and interpretation that came out, he loves you. He will accept you. Just like that lame man, you just need Peter reached out his hand. God's reaching down to you. It's up to you. Are you going to leap? Are you going to stand up today with the power of Jesus? You know, whether that lame man knew it or not, Peter and John had something that he desperately needed. Thank you so much. <laughs> and what he needed went beyond a handout of money. It went beyond a way just to feed himself for one more day. What he needed was a complete life change. So before he was healed, he was completely dependent on other people. Totally dependent for everything. Going to the bathroom, probably. For everything. Couldn't do a thing for himself. You know, he couldn't even get to his normal begging spot without someone taking him there. If his friends were sick, I guess he didn't get money that day. <laughs> what can he do? He can't drag himself there. He's dependent. So along with this lame man's miracle of physical healing came the freedom to work, to support his family, maybe even the freedom to start a family, to find someone, to settle down with them. And he could enter the temple and become part of the church community. That's, that's a wonderful thing. I'm glad for the family of God. I'm glad for those who help me, who lift me up when I need help. So here's the question. What about you? What do you need this morning? You can be close to the temple or the church. You can even hang out there every day but you can still be in need of a miracle. <laughs> There's no shame in that. 
you can be in need of a miracle. <laughs> and I'm sure there's many people here who do need one. Do you have a physical ailment that stops you from serving God the way that you want to serve him? Or are you feeling excluded from the church community because of your hang-ups or your handicaps? Do you just long to feel accepted by someone? You know, whatever your need is, God can supply it. He doesn't just heal physical problems. He takes care of material problems, financial, emotional, social, spiritual. He wants to make us whole. And whatever you consider to be your biggest weakness, God can turn it into your greatest strength. He's a God of reversals. <laughs> he changes our lives completely. You know, when the lame man was healed, before that, his biggest weakness or his most challenging test, which was his inability to walk, became his greatest testimony. His greatest testimony. Those legs which had never carried him a day in his life, suddenly were not only just able to support him, but caused him to leap and to run and to jump. And even that simple act of one man acting crazy, <laughs> leaping around that temple, it caused those around him to believe on Jesus Christ as the savior of the world. 5,000 people believed because of this one man. This man, insignificant, passed over by people his whole life. He became the catalyst for a great ingathering of believers. And I want to say to you that you can't possibly know what effect your life will have on others when Jesus sets you free. You can't possibly know how amazing the things he will do through you. Now, this this is the first miracle that's recorded in the book of Acts after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit at the day of Pentecost. And what I think is one of the most remarkable things about this story is that only a few short weeks before, Peter and John, who God used to bring healing to the lame man, they were paralyzed themselves. But they were paralyzed with fear. <laughs> if you turn with me, this will be the last scripture, to John chapter 20 and verses 19 and 20. John 20, 19 to 20. And it says here, Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in their midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. The disciples were so scared that they were going to be killed like their leader had been that they were hiding. They were hiding away. But what happened when Jesus came into their midst? Oh, there was gladness. <laughs> they were excited. They were excited. And not too many days after that, they were gathered and they were praying in an upper room and they became the first ones to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And after they received that, they weren't paralyzed anymore. <laughs> they spilled out into the streets, praising God. And there were 3,000 that were added that day because they were no longer paralyzed. The boldness, it was that boldness that was given to them through receiving the Holy Ghost that enabled them to reach out to the lame man. Oh, praise God. <laughs> Now, this miracle happened as Peter and John were on their way to pray in the temple. 
you need a miracle in your life, come to church, pray. <laughs> Seems to be a good place for miracles to happen. But you know what? Jesus is able to meet you here, right now, right at the front of this church. He's here already, and he's holding out his hand, and he wants to perform a miracle in your life. It's not that he doesn't want to. Oh, he so desperately does. And so I just want you to remember that there's only two things you need to get your miracle. You need to have faith, and you need the name of Jesus. We have the name of Jesus this morning, but do you have the faith? If you would stand. The Bible says that everybody has been given a measure of faith, and all that we have to do is just exercise it. So you can receive what you need right here and right now. If you want something this morning, we're going to sing a song. If you will come to the altar, we will pray with you. And I believe that God is going to do great and mighty things in this place today.